Support for this program is provided by Chevron. So Reggie is the regional greenhouse gas initiative that currently includes every single Northeast state from Virginia to Maine, except for Pennsylvania right now. Um, And it's an effort to cap each state's carbon emissions and price them into the marketplace. Okay, so it's a it's a version of cap and trade then. Correct. The program has seen overall 55% CO2 emissions reductions and also of course billions of dollars in revenue generated as those carbon emissions are priced. And so if you pollute up until a certain uh, threshold, you have to actually buy the allotments. So that has resulted in, in revenue generations. I'm Annie Snyder. This is Politico Energy. And today, Jordan Woolman on what happens when an energy-producing giant tries to join a cap-and-trade program. It's Wednesday, October 13th. We're talking to you today because you did a deep dive into the fight in Pennsylvania as the state's preparing to join next year. Uh, Tell us a little bit about it. So it's been quite a ride since Governor Tom Wolf decided to start the process to get Pennsylvania into Reggie. And he started that process through executive order in October of 2019. And since that time, the Republican-controlled legislature has pushed back at every turn. So so this sounds like a pretty big deal. Pennsylvania is obviously a state that we watch at Politico for, for its political implications. Um, you know, massive swing state, very populous state. It's also a huge state when it comes to fossil fuels, coal and fracking. And so this idea of that state joining a carbon trading program sounds pretty significant. What kind of impacts do we think that joining would have for the state? So you're exactly right that this is a big deal in the sense that this would be the first major player, so to speak, in the energy industry to join a program like Reggie. It's a different um, scope when you're talking about a state like Pennsylvania that is in the top five in energy production, in coal production, in electricity production, also in carbon dioxide emissions. So yes, uh, this, is a, this is a big deal. And it really is a test to see how does a major energy state fare under a program like this. Will emissions simply shift to other states? That's a big concern. And the fact that Pennsylvania doesn't exist in a vacuum, and Pennsylvania is a major net exporter of electricity, meaning that a lot of the electricity Pennsylvania produces actually is exported to other nearby states. What is the likelihood that, that I think the phrase is leakage, that, um, that even if Pennsylvania reduces its emissions within the state's boundaries that they essentially just transfer to neighboring states that doesn't doesn't actually bring down overall emissions, which is, of course, what we care about from a climate standpoint. Even pro-Reggie groups don't deny that leakage is a possibility here. So you have a major study conducted by Penn State that actually found that as much as 86% of emissions reductions achieved by Pennsylvania through Reggie would just be offset by other states in the PJM grid. Um, wow. and, that, and, yeah, and, and that's, that has to be a concern. But the Department of Environmental Protection that, of course, is promoting this regulation to enter into Reggie and other outside groups refute that, it, that emissions leakage would be that high, but they don't deny that, that it is a possibility. And so I think in order for this to be successful, you have to think about ways to minimize that, that leakage because that's what it's really all about. 
So as you say, Pennsylvania is a key state to watch uh, when it comes to a potential climate transition. Um, obviously, a big goal for the Biden administration. And of course, Pennsylvania is a very important state politically. Um, I think of labor groups in particular as being important to Democrats in Pennsylvania. Where do they stand on, on the state joining, Reggie? Yes. So labor groups are a major player in Pennsylvania politics um, going back decades. And they're against Reggie, by and large. And that really creates political pressure for Democrats who like to think of themselves and frame themselves as pro-union and pro-environment. And in this case, those two are clashing. And that, that doesn't make it easy for Democrats who are running for re-election. Um, they certainly want unions on their side. And so when you have the environment and labor on two different ends of a particular issue, it really makes it tough. So if you've got a political challenge for Democrats here um, with the opposition from labor unions, uh, and you've got sort of an open question about how significant of an impact a program like this can have from a climate perspective, if there's a chance that, that these carbon emissions just switch over across the state lines, then what do what do proponents of this program say for why why the state ought to do it? Right. So I think that you got a, you got a few things going for you. And that is one that overall net emissions are projected to be reduced across PJM by Pennsylvania joining Reggie. Even with factoring in the leakage issue, productivity will increase under Reggie in terms of economic productivity, I mean. And so the irony is that a lot of these models show that the health benefits are projected to be greatest in the coal communities that would might be impacted most severely economically. So you've got that trade-off there. And I think that a lot of people feel like this is a step to giving renewables a chance in the market. So is the state going to join or not then? Remains to be seen. But I think based on the current trajectory, the likelihood is yes, Pennsylvania will join. There are kind of a few tracks at this late point um, that could be used to stall or or stop Pennsylvania's entry into Reggie. One is the legislature has a chance to vote on a disapproval resolution to the Reggie regulation, but I'm not sure that the legislature has the votes to override a Wolf veto. And then, of course, there's, a, there's the strong likelihood that there will be a legal challenge brought. Also, Democrats' plans to boost a massive transition to carbon-free vehicles may not quite be a reality just yet. But it looks like Americans are already buying into the change on their own. From April to June of this year, zero-emissions vehicles saw their largest share of new vehicle sales ever, with more than 150,000 of them hitting U.S. roads. That's according to a new report from the Alliance for Automotive Innovation. The report also says the sale of electric, plug-in hybrid, and fuel cell electric vehicles jumped by 33% compared to the previous quarter. Internal combustion vehicle sales at the same time dropped by 1% between these two quarters. And while the data still shows that electric vehicles make up less than 4% of car sales, the increase in total vehicles comes as the auto sector has committed to significantly increasing investment in zero-emissions vehicles. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. If you like our show, then like it. 
Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It helps more people find the show. Some of the music in today's show came from the mysterious Break Master Cylinder. I'm Annie Snyder, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Did you know that Chevron supports the ambitions of the Paris Agreement? In fact, they've even tied their executives' compensation to lowering the carbon emissions intensity of their operations. Because it's only human to help power a brighter future.